2: Hello, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Jim is off again tonight. And tonight, Bitcoin topping a key level. We're going to tackle the jump back above 20,000 on Bitcoin. Plus, let's make a deal. Skybridge Capital and Sam Bankman Fried are teaming up the mooch. Anthony Scaramucci is with us tonight. Then for the mooch to the merge, the Ethereum upgrade everybody is talking about. We'll explain what it is, why you care and what it means. And the future of crypto regulation, it is still cloudy. We're going to try to clear that up with Congress's leading crypto skeptic. All of that coming up on this CNBC special, Crypto Night in America. All right, we have got a lot to do. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, or as we call it, Crypto Night. But let's begin at the beginning with the big news today. That is crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried making another significant bet. The venture arm of his firm FTX is taking a 30% stake in Skybridge Capital. That is Anthony Scaramucci's alternative investment firm. This deepens an already ongoing partnership between the two. Remember Crypto Bahamas? Skybridge expected to use a portion of the capital to purchase $40 million worth of cryptocurrencies to hold on its balance sheet. Now, this latest deal adds the Bankman Freed's already growing empire. He notably extended credit to BlockFi and Voyager when they were on the brink of collapse. And he has an ownership stake in Robinhood. He also founded quant trading shop Alameda Research. Let's dig in a little bit deeper into the deal and its implications on the space. Joining us now is Skybridge Capital founder, Anthony Scaramucci. Anthony, it's good to talk to you again, my friend. Listen, I watched the interview this morning with Andrew and you had Sam on Andrew and kind of talked about what it meant. That was earlier today. You've probably read some of the coverage. What are people maybe missing or getting wrong about this deal?
3: Well, Brian, I am going to tell you what you're missing is you're missing your tie. I thought you were like an old school guy like me. I, I'm I trying to pretend I'm young. This. All right, so just to let you know, the next time I interview, I'm, com- I'm coming with the Sam Bankman free t-shirts, okay, just so you know. But, but I think Tech what top. people are missing, you know, <laughs> just what I'm reading about the deal, I think people are missing uh, the closeness of the relationship that our two firms have built together. And the, just the recognition that we're an asset management company. We had no debt going into the deal. Uh, you know, asset management companies are like software companies—they have people, they have some computer systems. So this has been a remarkably profitable company for myself and my family over the last 17 years. And Sam's investment is certainly going to bolster the company and strengthen it. I think we're going to grow and hopefully triple the size of the company. But I think that's what people are really missing. You know, did this you need?
2: A, did you need the investment? I didn't
3: need it. No, of course not. And I think I that's the, what I, you know, you've heard yeah. the mutterings, right? I think. Yeah. I did, well, that's. That's journalism and I love the mud raking and I'm all about the free press and I appreciate you bringing me on to just clarify things. I had no debt on the company, obviously done reasonably well in my 34 year career on Wall Street. We are going through a bear market, there's no question about that. But the alliance with Sam, the closeness to Sam, Sam as a person and the culture that he's setting for FTX and the long-term vision that he has, I'm hoping I can take my three decades plus experience and I can download some of those relationships and 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 some of the ups and downs of that experience, if you will, uh, and impart it into that great culture that he's building. And so that's what I think are the things that people are missing. But for me, it's been a spectacular day for me. Uh, we put $40 million of cryptocurrencies on our balance sheet to just make a statement to the marketplace about who we are and how we're thinking about the business long term. Yeah. The rest of the money is going into the growth of the business, the expansion of the SALT conferences. Uh, we're doing one next week, which will be w- well-reported by CNBC, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I've got the chain smokers coming on Wednesday night, so if you haven't registered, you have still time to register. But then we're going to, the, going to Singapore in November, and then we're going to Abu Dhabi in March. Going, and so we're going really, globally. Yeah, exactly. Let me, let me jump we'll in very quickly, in Anthony. We're going to bring you back on sure. in a
2: later segment in a few minutes here. But before we go, sure. FTX, I mean, at the beginning of radio, there were 100 radio stations, radio companies, right? The beginning of rail. You had about three or four hundred railroads around the United States. They merge. Some die. You end up with GM and Ford, a couple of radio companies, a couple of railroad companies. Is FTX going to be one of, if not the survivors in that pure space?
3: Well, I I certainly believe that, you know, several months back, a Bloomberg uh, reporter asked me my opinion. I said he was the JP Morgan of cryptocurrency. If you understand the 1907 crisis, Prior to the Federal Reserve, J.P. Morgan stepped in and did the cleanup trades and bolstered the banking industry, ended up owning a big piece of U.S. steel. That is Sam today. But here's the beauty of Sam. He's a long-term, multi-level processing thinker. He's not looking at 2022, he's looking at 2032 and what he can become and what his organization can become. And so, yes, not only will he be one of the industry leaders. But I actually be he'll, he'll, he'll be at the top of the food chain by then.
2: Anthony Scaramucci, stick around. We're going to bring you back in a few minutes talk more about just crypto in general. Anthony, thank you very much. All right, now let's talk about performance because crypto rallying today along with the broader market. Let's get more on it and the price action and bring in Kate Rooney. Kate, welcome. Good to see you.
4: Hey, Brian, great to see you. It's been a really a wild ride for crypto prices this week, Let's start with Bitcoin, the OG, the world's first and largest cryptocurrency, hit a three-month low on Tuesday, dropping to around $18,000. Then flash forward, here we are, Friday night, crypto night in America, Bitcoin's back around $21,000. At the end of the week, there was also a strong uptick in short liquidations. In the past 24 hours or so, there's been about $369 million of crypto short positions closed out, that's the largest level, in more than a month according to CoinGlass. Then take a look at Ether. That's the second largest coin outperforming Bitcoin in the past month. There's also been a flood of speculation and call options ahead of a highly anticipated software upgrade that's coming next week. We call that the merge that you'll talk about a bit later. Its share of crypto's market cap as well. Ether's share is also increasing. It's now about 20% of the entire crypto market versus Bitcoin's 39% dominance, making some gains there. And one factor is, You can't ignore right now, Brian, that's weighing on all these risk assets is the surging U.S. dollar. Institutional traders often approach Bitcoin like a tech stock. So it's squarely in that risk category as the dollar, really a global safe haven, rallied to a 20-year high this week. Bitcoin, as I mentioned, went the opposite way. That's really been the case since the spring. You can see this inverse correlation really picking up around May of this year. And then today the dollar dropped while Bitcoin was up. Another thing adding pressure to Bitcoin, the whales. That's really anyone with 10,000 Bitcoin in their wallet or about $210 million. At these prices, it's often seen as the smart money. And analysts over at Glassnode know that this group started aggressively selling around the $24,000 level. That really marked the near term top, as we've seen. Brian, back to you.
2: I think we're very lucky, Kate. And I'll tell you why. We, it's very rare that anybody gets to not just live in the time of, but also report on and cover the birth of an asset class. I mean, stocks have been around for hundreds of years. Bonds have been around for hundreds of years. So I think all this stuff about how will the dollar affect Bitcoin? How will the Fed affect Bitcoin and others? We're learning in real time.
4: Absolutely. And it's interesting, this whole industry and Bitcoin being the first of the cryptocurrencies was built on the premise of wanting to be outside of the traditional banking system. It's a bit ironic that things like the Fed, like the U.S. dollar, and some of the macro factors we talk about all day on CNBC are affecting something that's supposed to be really divorced from traditional finance. But it is the result of a lot more institutions getting in and treating this like a risk asset. There are certainly some people who say, hey, this is a 10-year bet, or they see no reason to look at the Fed and say, this is a deflationary asset, I'm going to hold this, as a safe haven in my portfolio. But right now with the impact of institutional investors and Wall Street getting involved, that's why you're seeing such a strong correlation with some of the tech stocks.
2: When it's being run by Wall Street in some ways and people that came from traditional finance, you can't be surprised if it acts like traditional finance in Uh, some ways. So there you go.
4: Absolutely, and they're seeing the opportunity there. Sam Bankman-Freedy, you mentioned earlier, just started his career on Wall Street saw the massive arbitrage opportunity here. It's attracted a lot of foreign exchange traders who who jumped on the opportunity.
2: Jane Street Capital, the ETF market maker, and of course, Scamochi as well. Everybody's doing it. Kate Rooney, thank you very much. All right. In the debate over regulating crypto, there seem to be two sides of the Bitcoin. And as many different ideas and proposals, people who claim to have the right plan. But something will change with crypto regulations. Let's find out what that is. Let's bring back in our friend, Anthony Scaramucci, as well as the policy director at the Duke Financial Economic Center, Lee Reisers. Lee, I'm going to start out with you because we just talked to Anthony. You've got your doubts about certain things around crypto. But how does this shake out? Ultimately, in five years, if we do this show again five years from tonight, what's our headline?
5: Well, Anthony and I have a staked in dinner bet on the price of uh, Bitcoin in five years. So I'm on record saying it'll be uh, no more than $1,500. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. You know, as I've said repeatedly, Brian, you know, for crypto and Bitcoin to have any value long term, it has to provide genuine economic utility. It has to be useful for something. And we just haven't seen it yet. And we're 13 years into this. By technology standards, Bitcoin and crypto is old. So if it hasn't happened yet, when will it happen? And Kate's right. It trades like a risk asset. Until recently, it's only existed in a zero interest rate environment. The moment the Fed started hiking, crypto plummeted. So it's going to be a while. I mean, the Fed's going to continue to hike you know, well into 2023. And so crypto prices will remain depressed for a while. Uh, and what it looks like on the other side of this rate tightening cycle is anyone's guess. But long term, I just don't see it having any
2: value. OK. I mean, listen. I hear you. You, you. you saw some value. You said fifteen hundred. You didn't say fifteen cents. So at least you didn't. At least you didn't go down to zero. Anthony, here's oh, the thing. I get the whole. He's it's hedging not, himself. It's not beef. new. It's not new. The first stock trades were done under the Buttonwood Tree in 1792. I don't think 12 years later than NYSE was exactly booming. Birthing a new asset class takes time.
3: Well, I think he's hedging himself. I think Lee thinks it's going to be worth 15 cents, so he's trying to give himself a little bit of a prices right <laughs> buffer, which is totally fine. Uh, not I think at the, all. The, 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 pro- the problem that happens uh, with that type of thinking, in my opinion, is just, he's just not doing enough detailed research and assessment on the growth and the applications of not just Bitcoin but things like Solana and Algorand and Ethereum. And so I think I think Lee's going to be wrong. We do have a steak dinner bet. He better hope that he he wins that bet, though, because the wine that I'm going to buy on Professor Lee, you have no idea, Brian, the amount of wine I'm going to be buying at that dinner if he loses. But if here's, you're right, it better, the better be better here.
2: because the bit, that means Bitcoin's going to be worth a ton of money, Anthony, and that'll be worth you're going to be worth even more money than you are.
3: Yeah, being the guy that I am, I'll end up buying the wine at the dinner. But you definitely, you know, you can show up in McDonald's French fries because they are my favorite. But we're having Wagyu steak at that dinner later. Well, maybe maybe
2: you know Peter Luger will accept actual Bitcoin instead of just actual cash. But you see, point. that's
3: going to happen. But Brian, that's what's going to happen. That, this is what he's missing. It's because not going to happen. 19- I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's not going
5: to happen. It's far no, too volatile. Any asset with a fixed supply is always going to be volatile. And why would you accept it as a merchant when it could go down by 20 percent within a day? Because Elon Musk sends out a tweet. I mean, this is completely asinine. Look at the situation in El Salvador when they adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. It's a humanitarian disaster. The IMF's cutting off funding. The credit rating agencies are downgrading their sovereign debt, so it's just not going to happen. And I appreciate right, but, Anthony's but Lee, perspective. I've been teaching about this for six years. Those are two thousand twenty-one talking points. So freshen Duke up University. the
3: talking points.
5: He's talking his book. You know, this is, hes doing what any good fund manager should do when they come on this network, which is talk their book. All right, one of us has skin in the game; the other doesn't. So your I'm viewers not, should
3: take I, what it's worth. I, well, first of all, I don't need to talk my book, Lee. If I didn't believe it and I didn't do the research. I wouldn't be saying it, but I understand what you're saying about some fund managers and I appreciate your cynicism, but what you're missing because you're dialed into like a 2020, 2021 talking point is you're missing where we're gonna be in 10 or 20 years. Okay? In 1998, it took me 35 seconds to land my AOL page when they were saying you got mail. 24 years later, We've got billions of people that are streaming 4K video on the internet, and we're doing trillions and trillions of dollars of transactions. So you're looking at something statically that's going to move exponentially, And so that's the thing that you're missing. Your buddy John Stark, God bless him. It's my 40th <laughs> high school reunion this weekend. I hope he shows up, but he's missing it, too because you're on missile lock of stubbornness with old-school thinking while Anthony, the world is changing before you eyes, we're on. living and in reality. Why don't
5: you come join us?
3: I, I am living in reality. I'm watching the fastest-growing segment of the economy, the best-performing asset class over the last 5 and 10 years. And I'm looking at the opportunity and the exponential growth of applications. And I would like you to be a part of it. I don't want you to miss it. I was a skeptic <laughs> once. I looked at this stuff very skeptically. When I came out of the White House, I said, if the Treasury Department is already talking about this stuff and the potential digitization of the U.S. dollar, I've got to do my homework. I did the homework. I put the firm's money in in position. And I think we're going to be very well rewarded. And remember, my Bitcoin prices are in the $16,000 to $18,000 level. They were purchased back in October of 2020. Uh, This has been a very good long-term performing asset class over the last 13 years.
2: Lee, is there a point at which you would say, I got it wrong? What could turn you into a believer, a Bitcoin believer?
5: Well, listen, you know, I do practice intellectual humility. So I, you know, I'm open to the possibility that I may be wrong. Um, But I haven't been wrong yet, to be honest with you, because we still haven't seen, you know, that so-called killer use case. And at this point, Brian, you know, cryptocurrency has taken on religious elements. I mean, it even has its, you know, canonical texts in the form of the Satoshi you know, white paper. And the thing about religions is that they can last a very long time. So that's why I say, you know, there's still going to be some interest in cryptocurrency, you know, long after the rest of us, you know, have moved on. All right. But people grow up. You know, they ultimately recognize that there's no value here. There's no fundamentals. I mean, there's what no I would value ask, in
2: a painting? What, I mean, right? Other, other than people think it's beautiful and it's not going to be replicated. There's some ugly ugly paintings from the 1500s of, like, you know, some Dutch woman doing this that sells for $20 million,
5: Lee. Bitcoin's just a computer file. I get the fact that an asset is worth whatever anyone pays for it. You know, but on this network, you talk about financial assets and there's a valuation methodology. Professional money managers have to make an assessment. Is a given asset overvalued or undervalued? And they have... You we know, get time-tested methodologies to do that. What do you use when it's cryptocurrency? There's no cash flows. Yeah. There's no fundamentals. So why is Bitcoin worth 21000 today and not 100000 or not $5? Because, you
3: know because, we go like because somebody read thinks the, it's worth $21,000. read The Ascent of Money. Professor, read The Ascent of Money by Neil Ferguson. And let's I'm, talk about the technological tightness of the ledger known as Bitcoin. And you understand it in the historical context of money. I'm going to be convinced that you'll end up buying one for yourself. Okay, but Guys, thank it's you. A happy good Friday, guys. Thank you.
2: It's not Friday, thank you to, Anthony. I'm happy to be here. Anthony, it's not Friday. It's Night oh, in America. Remember oh, I'm that. sorry. Ha- not kryptonite in America because Superman wouldn't like that. Lee and Anthony, no. it was a good discussion. You guys well, it's, are both. It's
3: kryptonite crypto- it's crypto- it's to Lee. I can tell you that. There you okay? go. Okay? It's, I like it. It's, it. You know, I, I, I get it, Lee. You're going to lose Anthony, the band. Okay, guys, gotta go. go. we got to go. we got to go. I'm to bring the wine, we got to go because I, I, now i got to. F- I don't want to hurt you that badly. It's I, going to taste good.
2: i got to fight off all the Dutch Masters Twitter bros that are going to come after me because I just insulted Van Eck. Guys, thank you very much. All right, Crypto Night is just getting started. We'll be back right after the break.
6: Tonight, bitten by Bitcoin. Can Congress put the kibosh on Crypto? Plus, Urge to Merge, the latest on this major crypto coin's new look. And turned down for what? Making the most of crypto's caprice with this ETF when we return on CNBC.
7: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
8: We need legislation
9: on this. Just, you know, it, it's typical of, of technological innovations. There isn't a regulatory framework that it really gets after payment stable coins, uh, you know, and, and so I think that's what's needed. But but don't I wouldn't think of us as being opposed to that kind of innovation. We're more the people who are saying, among others, that we need appropriate regulation.
2: Oh, welcome back to the CNBC special, Crypto Night in America, a.k.a. Friday. Welcome. That was, of course, Fed Chair Jerome Powell speaking yesterday about the need for crypto regulation. He went on to say that regulation should not stand in the way of digital innovation, but for crypto, particularly stable coins, to be viewed as currency, it has to be clear and transparent. However, some legislators say regulation is not enough and crypto should just be banned. Let's bring in one of them, and that is Representative Brad Sherman of Southern California. Uh, Congressman Sherman, welcome to the program. I, I know what you think and you believe that it should have should be outlawed, but do you believe that, would you even admit that that, that horse has left the barn, that it's, not, it's too late to ever ban this type of crypto trading but we have to get smart about regulation or is or is there still time to your mind ban it
9: this is probably not the time we can do it but i think we will have an opportunity crypto is not a new asset class charles ponzi developed this asset class uh, well over a century ago and i think that if crypto loses some of the uh, uh some of the money and power that's behind it uh that we will have an opportunity to regain that control the key thing is to impose the know-your-customer anti-money laundering laws on crypto. Once it's clear that those laws are imposed, crypto loses the one thing it aspires to be, and that is successfully compete with the dollar by having an advantage over the dollar. And it has only one advantage, and that is is well-suited for the tax evaders, the bankruptcy fraud, the family court fraud uh, that can best be done if you avoid the know-your-customer laws. And if uh, we can impose those laws on crypto, then people who are investing because they think it's going to be a successful new currency will realize it has no currency eva- uh, advantage over the dollar. And at that point, it just becomes another non punchable token. It becomes uh, uh, the pet yeah. rock of the 21st
2: century. Well, we can, I don't think it's a currency. I don't like calling it a currency. We call it a currency, so I kind of do, but I don't think it is more like a commodity. But is it fair, Congressman, to compare it to the Ponzi scheme? I mean, Ponzi just took money from one person and gave it to somebody else. There was nothing there. Whatever people think this is a 21 million, well, less than that because of the sub that have been lost, it is a digital asset. Yes, it's an asset of a different kind. It can be confusing to a lot of people, but it's not just you giving me money to give to somebody else.
9: You could say a pet rock is a non-fungible token. Or, and it is or gold. Asset.
2: I could say gold is a pet rock.
9: Gold, gold, gold has established itself for the last uh, 20,000 years. Uh, the yeah, paintings, people can invest in paintings, but uh, the idea that this is going to—it's mar- marketing itself as a as a future currency. And it—you uh, say it won't be a currency. If it becomes a currency, it will only be because it can outcompete the dollar for some pretty big markets, especially the tax evasion market. And that's why it has no societal value. We want people to invest in assets. That will build the American economy. We want the animal spirits of the country to go into that. And when you uh, take that willingness to take risks and you funnel it into cryptocurrency, you're not creating a single job. You're not building a factory. You're not uh, doing research that will expand uh, how we live. Yep. Uh, you're just betting on a non-fungible token.
2: Congressman Brad Sherman, hey, you're you're being honest about your views, and we respect that, sir. Thank you very much, and thanks for joining us here on CNBC. Take care. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to break down what is next for next week's Ethereum merge. What is it? What does it mean for your money? It is a big deal. We'll tell you about it. And as we had to break, take a look at this. Bitcoin prices have fallen in September in each of the last five years, but so far up this month now september also the worst month for the stock market we'll talk more about it don't at me it's just stats crypto night in america is back right after this
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right, welcome back. We talked to the mooch earlier. Now let's talk about the Merge. The Merge is the highly anticipated bringing together of the two Ethereum platforms. They've been running side-by-side side for six years, but now that's gonna end, and it's a big deal. But what exactly is the Merge? Mackenzie Segalos joining us now to explain. Mac, welcome.
0: Hey, Brian. So the merges is years in the making, major upgrade to Ethereum, which is the second biggest blockchain on the planet. It's set to happen sometime between Tuesday to Thursday of next week. And it's pretty significant for a couple different reasons. So one, it means that minting Ether, which is the token associated with the Ethereum blockchain, is about to consume a whole lot less energy. And of course, that massive energy consumption has been a huge critique of both crypto mining and of the industry overall. It also crucially means that there will be less Ether tokens in circulation in part because you're going to have to put up your tokens in order to verify transactions under this new system. And so less supply means that, ostensibly means that the demand of existing Ether tokens will suddenly become stronger. And that's why a lot of analysts are telling me that there's still so much upside momentum to the price of Ether See, going See, when you forward. said
2: energy, you got my attention because sometimes <laughs> I talk about energy just once in a while. Why, why is it going to use less? Why does one plus one equal one and a half and not two? How does yeah. it save energy?
0: Right. So instead of using a proof of work consensus mechanism, the way that Bitcoin verifies transactions, you've got these banks of computers running an algorithm in order to solve equations. It's, it's using all of these energy inputs in order to crack equations. You're moving to something called proof of stake. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that people are staking their Ethereum and they're using that as a way to become a validator on the network. And so you're not running these huge banks of computers. You're just saying, hey, I own this many Ether. I'm putting it up to say I'm a legit mm-hmm. validator on the network. And that's how I'm going to verify transactions.
2: So the the mining part of it is is not dead, but it's kind of, we're kind of moving past that, at least for Ether.
0: It's a different model, proof of work to proof of stake.
2: Nice. Big deal. September
0: 15th. But somewhere between the 13th to the 15th.
2: Somewhere. (laughs) Mackenzie, good stuff. Took a complicated thing, made it understand. Even I understood it. And that's something. Mac, thank you very much. All right, let's dive a little more into this and talk about all things crypto as well. Joining us, Dan Moorhead, he's CEO of Pantera Capital. Dan, I know you guys just did like a webinar on the merge and Ethereum. I'm going to get to that in a second. But when I heard I got Dan Moorhead coming on, and then I got Congress. Did you hear Congressman Sherman a few moments ago? I did. And he said, it's a Ponzi scheme, the whole thing. How? What's your response?
10: Honestly, it makes me wildly bullish to hear people still uh, using such kind of reactionary views on the market. I mean, it certainly means we're not in a bubble, right? If people are still thinking it's a Ponzi scheme, they don't realize 300 million people on Earth are using blockchain to make their lives better. If you think about it, migrants spend on average 8% to send money across borders. And for you and me in finance, you know, 800 basis points, is just a number. For the migrant, that's an entire month's wages. And with Bitcoin or Ethereum or blockchain, you can send it, Anyone with a smartphone can send it to anybody else on Earth, essentially free, essentially real time. So there's so much upside when you have people are so negative still.
2: Well, what is the thing that people when you when you talk to you you talk to really smart people, rich people, smart people, MIT, Harvard grads, Duke grads, whatever. And they say, I just can't do it, Dan. I, I can't I don't understand blockchains and ledgers and proof of work and proof of stake. How do you get them on board? Could we kind of witnessed that earlier in the show with, with Anthony and Lee.
10: Yeah, so it's this great question. I've been evangelizing blockchain for 10 years, so I've kind <clears> of <throat> heard all the excuses and all the reasons not to get into it. The one thing I've never actually read is a very thoughtful paper that's against blockchain. You know, you get the kind of one-sentence throwaways that some famous, sometimes very old investors uh, say against blockchain, but nobody's actually written a really thoughtful paper on why blockchain isn't going to revolutionize so many different industries on earth. And again, there that's why I'm so bullish on it, because um, there is so much promise in so many different aspects. You know, We were talking earlier about whether it's a currency or a commodity. It does 25 different important things, currency being one of them, being commodities, one of them a payment rail, voting rights, identity. I mean, there's just so many things that will be done with blockchain, uh, and we're really just scratching the surface.
2: All right, I see all the stuff behind you. For our audience that can't read it, because why could they, right? I've got a 100 inch monitor. It says proof of work. We're talking about the merge. Is it going to just pop Ethereum or Ether prices that we've, we've, we've reduced the supply? It can't be that simple, or everybody would have already bought it.
10: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, there are, are times when, uh, if we all know about it, why is it going to work? But every four years, Bitcoin cuts its supply in half. And it's exploded each of those times. It's done it three times in a row. So although we all know the merge uh, was coming, the actual date wasn't known until about two months ago. Uh, And that's as soon as the date was announced, the uh, Ethereum foundations always hit their dates for delivery of software. The uh, uh, Ethereum market started rallying at the time. And now Ethereum's up about 60% from the lows, whereas Bitcoin's still just above where it was in June. So it is a big deal uh, and it makes uh, people bullish. Obviously, there's a chance uh, new pieces of software don't work. And so I think there is kind of a risk premium built in. And, you know, if everything goes through
2: and uh, it all works, uh, I think it yep. really could scream. Dan Moorhead, pentera Capital. Dan, great discussion, but we'd expect nothing less. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right, folks, we appreciate all you tuning in. We got a long way to go still. It's about 25 minutes. You're watching... CBC's special Crypto Night in America, and we roll on right after this.
6: Coming up, Party Down, an ETF to make crypto's pain your pleasure. Plus, Central American Surprise, one year since Bitcoin went national in El Salvador. And this forecast calls for a career change. The weatherman who traded meteorology for mining. When we return on CNBC.
2: All right, Welcome back. Stocks with cryptocurrency exposure are always pitched as a way to play crypto without actually having to invest in, you know, crypto. I mean, let's be honest, right? Don't tell anybody, but crypto can be confusing, maybe even a little intimidating to a lot of people, at least compared to stocks, right? Something simple. Speaking of stocks, some of the crypto-related stocks are actually underperforming the coins themselves. So should you still consider them a better way to play in the space? Let's bring in Dan Doloff. He's managing director, senior analyst at Mizuho Stocks. Dan, as we learned, gold's been around for 20,000 years, but uh, stocks have only been around for for a couple hundred years. You heard that earlier in the show. Uh, Is there, besides Coinbase, any sort of very direct way to invest in crypto through the equity market?
1: yeah so there's i mean coinbase is obviously like the most sort of concentrated way to play crypto if you believe in it uh the other two stocks that uh we covered that are very uh very strong in crypto is obviously square aka block so you know there um it you know the situation there is more bitcoin specific right as you know like the founders it's big about bitcoin but that stock really kind of you know trades together with bitcoin and to an extent also paypal which lets you buy and sell crypto on the app. So those are like the two more kind of, let's say, benign ways to play crypto other than Coinbase.
2: Yeah. OK, there you go. Block. And of course, Coinbase is the is the more direct one. But a lot of concerns about Coinbase, Dan. I mean, how do you, what do you say to investors out there that own it or are thinking about it or have owned it and sold it? I mean, what's the future of Coinbase? A lot of lot of a lot of bumps in the road, learning curve, let's call it.
1: I think the future is pretty bleak. <laughs> um, so what happens at Coinbase, so I, I, our recommendation, we have a neutral and, and we're kind of, you know, uh, recommending not to buy it. And the reason for that is because if you think about Coinbase, you're getting, if you believe in crypto, right, let's put that aside. If you believe in crypto, uh, when you own Coinbase, you get you get crypto minus a decline in commissions, like 90 percent of the revenue is commissions. And, all, and we know that commission prices are coming down. So you might as well just own straight out like. Bitcoin or Dogecoin or whatever, instead of owning the, mm. the, the company that actually lets you trade it for a fee. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention uh, Robinhood. How, how did I forget to mention Robinhood? That's like another good way of playing crypto. I like their equities business better, but they also have a big uh, crypto exposure. Well, I
2: appreciate so. the honor. Listen, it's like 80% of analysts' ratings are buy, so I appreciate the, 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 the candor on, on Coinbase. What about a PayPal? I mean, pay, PayPal is a stock I can't figure out. The checkout with PayPal pops up on every website I go on to. By all accounts, their business is booming. Elliot's taking a stake. They're getting into crypto, and the stock literally can't get out of its own way.
1: PayPal is the hidden gem of payments. You know, it's the diamond in the rough right now, because if you think about it, everything you said, I agree with. And the most important thing about PayPal, it's like, think of it as the freight train of payments. You know, it's never going to go at like the bullet train speed, but it's never going to stop. And it's just very long, very steady, very slow, but it just goes just goes on forever and ever and ever. You know, they do check out, as you said, they're everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're on every website. People use them. Remember Venmo is part of PayPal. Uh-huh. Everybody uses Venmo um, now, you know, in Europe, they're actually letting I mean, the European Commission is actually suing Apple for letting, you um, you know, third-party apps use the NFC chip. Imagine what happens if it comes to the U.S. Yeah, And you could actually tap with Venmo. So PayPal is like completely undervalued, misunderstood. I only see upside to that. Plus, you've got some crypto exposure there, you know, kind of to add some uh, gravy on
2: top of it. Well, you just made PayPal owners very happy and and almost like a hodl. Hold on for dear life, but with PayPal. Dan Dolloff, appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So there's no shortage of ways to get into the crypto space. And there are a ton of things that you can buy if you're bullish. But what if you're negative on crypto or maybe you just want to hedge your position? That's been a lot harder, but it's just gotten a little easier. ETF provider Defiance debuting a new fund yesterday. that's actually shorting the largest blockchain ETF whose top holdings include things like Core Scientific and Silvergate. Let's talk more about it and bring in Sylvia Jablonski chief investment officer of Defiance ETFs. Uh, Sylvia, I didn't think you were allowed to bet <laughs> against crypto. Told you gotta be all in, how dare <laughs> you?
11: Hi, Brian, <laughs> uh, great to see you. Well, look, you can, you can be bullish or you can be bearish, right? You can play both sides of it. So if you're bullish on crypto, um, like, like uh, Mr. Anthony, he can trade our, our long blockchain ETF, NFT, if you're bearish, you can like Mr. Lee, you can essentially hold iBit with shorts blockchain types of names, and the stocks that tend to you know do poorly and fall when crypto falls. So, you know, the idea here is that crypto has had a precipitous fall. Um, crypto winner, you know, since January, we've seen a, a massive decline, 68% or so in the asset. And then on top of that, the stocks that are correlated to it, things like Coinbase, Robinhood. Um, Silvergate Galaxy, a few of the names that you just mentioned in the last uh, segment there, they're down 60%, 70% too. So why not benefit from that? You know, if if you would like a a way to benefit in the short term from the poor earnings, the layoffs, the crypto winner, IBIT is a great way to do it.
2: Well, what's interesting when you roll out a new product, Sylvia, and I was thinking, well, there must have been demand. You're not just going to launch a product and hope it's work. Oh, let's give it a flyer. People must have been asking for this.
11: Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people out there. It's such a polarizing topic. People are either very, very bullish on crypto and the future of blockchain technology and all of that, or they're all, you know, they're completely against it and they think it has no value. And some of the top experts in, in, you know, whether it's from the banks or, or Duke University or wherever it may be, have these completely different opinions. So we would just like to have two tools, a tool for the bulls and a tool for the bears to express that opinion. But you know, I think what's great about this is that some of the products out there are, are futures based products and they have some drag. They have some contango, some built in costs. You know, with a product like this, you're yeah. actually shorting the equities. You're shorting block. You know, it's an equity. It's pretty easy to understand. If those names go down, you essentially benefit on a daily basis from that.
2: Well, you, you might you might have some buyers in, in Lee and maybe Congressman Sherman. You might just had some natural customers from this one show. Sylvia Jablonski, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good Friday. All right. Coming up, (laughs) one year since adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, we're going to find out how El Salvador's grand experiment is playing out. Here's a hint terribly. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back to Crypto Night in America. This week's marks a year since El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. At the time, it was sitting close to forty-seven thousand bucks. Today, it's worth less than half of that. For more, let's bring in freelance journalist Jacob Silverman, author of a recent article on El Salvador's quote broken Bitcoin promise on The Intercept. Uh, Jacob, I read it here. Uh, it was powerful stuff. I mean, you talk about you talk about a poor shop owner that got caught up in some sort of gang roundup, spent time in jail, watched five guys die before they finally let him out because he was completely innocent. It sounds like El Salvador is is falling apart and it sounds like the president, maybe even with Bitcoin and other stuff, is on a different planet.
8: I I think so. I mean, there's a real difference between what the influencers and what the government is saying, that is the crypto influencers, who are uh, some of whom are flocking to El Salvador, and what you see day to day there which is that uh, the two main things going on right now in El Salvador are that uh, there are a lot of arrests going on in this anti-gang campaign. It's also sweeping up a lot of innocent people. Civil liberties have been suspended. And then with the economy, it's not in great shape. The Bitcoin project is not popular. Most people don't use it. And the government owes a lot of money, about $800 million due to uh, international lenders at the end of the year. And there's a big question of can they afford that?
2: And we talk a lot about security. Uh, something in your article really caught my eye. You talked about when, when Bitcoin crashed one day, it was sort of like, a, I don't want to say a run in the banks, but sort of a run on the crypto banks, if you will. And somebody, one, I'm going to read your line directly. One local coiner told us that his friend used a photo of a dog to verify his identity. I, that's, that's right. It stands um, on its own. I mean, there's no, no security. <laughs>
8: Yeah, and that's one reason why this project has arguably failed, which is that at the introduction, the Chivo wallet system, as it was called, Chivo is sort of local slang for cool. And the wallet system had lots of technological and security problems. Everyone was given $30 worth of Bitcoin, and a lot of people just simply had it stolen or had their identity stolen. Uh, the local journalist who was helping us, who was a very savvy guy and reports on Bitcoin all the time, he had his $30 stolen because someone stole his, his money. Uh, or his identity, rather, and we've seen that throughout this system. That the Chiva system is often down. The point of sale terminals don't work. Some of the technical problems have been alleviated. There's still a lot of mystery, actually, of how the the Bitcoin system works yeah. in El Salvador on the back end. So, uh, yeah, even just on the technical level, it, it's been very troubled from the beginning.
2: And it's not just, and it's not. This is all not just fancy Bitcoin crypto stuff. I mean, they're, they're talking about building Bitcoin City, building an airport. And sort of almost forcibly removing people says this doesn't have to be some fancy crypto thing, right? I mean, this is asphalt and an airport that just seems a little
8: odd around the margins. I think so. And I think, you know, without speculating too deeply, it's worth asking just simply why. Um, Why? It's it. That's what I got from it. I was like, Why? Yeah, El Salvador is a small country, uh, physically about the size of New Jersey, about 7 million people. There's an airport in San Salvador that is good and provides access to most of the country. Right now, there's talk about building something called Bitcoin City in the east near uh, Conchagua, which is a town and a mountain there where it has a volcano with some geothermal energy. And there's this whole ambitious plan to build a city and an airport. And frankly, I don't think even most locals think that there's a need or the necessary infrastructure or even the people to support all of that.
2: Jacob Silverman, I urge everybody to go read that. It's on The Intercept. Jacob is uh, powerful stuff. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much.
8: Glad to do it. Thank you. All
2: right. Up next, the cost to mine crypto is rising while the value of the currencies has been falling lately. So where exactly do we leave the crypto miners now? And how do you make money doing it? We'll talk about it. And stay tuned for the news with Shepard Smith, of course, kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern right here on CNBC. Just a couple of minutes. We're back right up to this. All right. if crypto prices ever below their all time highs, Some of the largest U.S. publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies have had over a billion bucks with the losses in the second quarter. But how is the distress impacting all the at-home miners out there? Let us bring in Lowell Melser. He is a meteorologist turned crypto miner. I love this, Lowell, <laughs> because it proves that TV guys can do anything. We can do anything. You're gonna, you're gonna make money as a, as a former Baltimore. By the way, I watched you, by the way, yeah. in I got the Baltimore channels of my home in Virginia. So it's good to have yeah. you back. Good to have you back on. How much actual money can you make? And how hard is it when you're
12: running a couple computers or a hundred computers? How often do you, you know, hit? Well, it, it all, I've been doing this since about 2016. So uh, I'd say it's, it ebbs and flows. So when Bitcoin goes up, these uh, smaller coins that, we're, that a lot of us uh, hobby miners are mining go up as well. And that's when we cash in. So really, it kind of rides the wave of Bitcoin. But you do get some pops here and there where you can make a substantial amount of money uh, for, you know, only having maybe like 10 or 15 Ah uh, GPUs. So it can be lucrative, but you also have to be able to ride out the storms, kind of what we're in right now and uh, and be able to deal with it and be okay with not making as much or even maybe losing some how, how many how many computers are you running? Uh, right now, uh, I'm running three. I have uh, about twenty two cards uh, right now with with what I have a setup. I used to have about fifty, but when the market went crazy when bitcoin went went sky high, uh, I took that as an opportunity to sell a lot of my old hardware for top of prices that right now are about a quarter what I sold them for. So there's a little bit of a game in that, too. When the market gets really hot, as far as Bitcoin is concerned, the prices for these GPUs and ASICs go sky high as well. So that's a good time to sell them to get make way for newer hardware.
2: Yeah, you know, I've got a friend of mine that Bitcoin mines in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he told me, I think he's got like 10 or 15 computers running in his base. But he told me, even in the dead of winter, he does not need to turn on the heat because the computers are generating so much heat that as much as they cost an electricity, he's saving a bundle by not heating his home. Is that
12: possible? That's correct. And I know a lot of people and I keep us strategically in the winter. It, does, it doesn't get that cold here in Maryland, but it does in several months. I'll keep a couple GPUs in the upstairs of our house and we never have to turn on the heat if I put a fan on it. Uh, like one of these box fans behind me which are keeping these cool right now, that'll blow heat into the house. Uh, and, you know, we have a, a fairly large house, and the, it keeps one of the units from having to go on in the upstairs for uh, having to uh, heat that. So, yes, that is definitely true and a good way to would your electric, conserve the energy.
2: I talk about energy. How much would your electric bill be, Lowell? 15 seconds.
12: Uh, anywhere. Well, it used to be in the 200s. Now it's in the 400s when running all these machines.
2: So, that's where you go. It doubled. You know, as a former meteorologist, I was going to ask you about the crypto winter, but it was just too darn easy. I couldn't go there. Next time. Lowell, Melvin, thank Next you. Time. Appreciate it. Great <laughs> stuff. Take care. All right, folks, thank you all for tuning in to Crypto Night in America. Have a great Friday, but don't go anywhere. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Take care.